Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Daily Thread. Baruch Hashem, it's uh, been a string of beautiful days here in New York. Um, it's been very hot around the world, you know. Uh, in Europe, it's hot. Most of America, it's like over 100 degrees in like 20 states. Every state. Yeah. sure where many of our listeners are located trying to stay cool. Once upon a time, there was Danny Ekovich thing, you know? What did, were you alive? Were you alive in those times? No, no. I was, when I was born, there was Reddy Ekovich thing. I know you think I came to the United States with Christopher Columbus, but that you'll know from school was in what year? 1492, right? No, but I yeah, was you know, it's born yet, 1492. Something very interesting, though, to note is that a lot of um, non-Americans, like in England, uh, Amsterdam, a lot of homes do not have air conditioning. They just don't. Uh, oh, really? The homes are are older, and they're just... I think AC is not a... It's, it's, it's very American. I, I could be wrong, but that's what I... That, that's what I've... I've learned just talking to people who, who live over there in the UK. In 1980, uh, I went to Eretz when your sister Malki, in the summer when she was 10 weeks old, and uh, you had an uncle Shlemy who lived in uh, in um, in, in um, Bnei Brak then, uh, with his wife Cheryl, and then their kids, or well, the kids that were born anyway, if any of them were born by then, I don't even remember now. But we stayed in his house just for a couple of days just to be sociable. There was no air conditioning. And no, really. definitely over 100 every day. But Brock's extremely, extremely hot. You know, everyone walks around with long black coats and black hats. Uh, only thing they don't wear in the summer is gloves, I think. But uh, yeah. it, it's it, it's just uh, it's a scorcher uh, outside. And he had no air conditioning in his house um, mm. for whatever reason. I don't think the building had air conditioning. On but a Brock and uh, we were going out of our minds. It was so hot. You get up in the morning. We used to. Uh, Malky was ten weeks old, and we'd go to the one of the hotels in Tel Aviv just to sit in the lobby uh, to have some <laughs> air conditioning uh, because it was just it was just too hot. So before we get to our stories for today, something I was discussing with somebody we had like a, a I would say a funny conversation about was halachic prenup or prenups in general. How much money do you think? someone would need to have to want to or need to sign a prenup getting into a marriage? Well, you know, uh, a prenuptial agreement came onto the scene as uh, to prevent uh, a problem. Um, the problem was that there should be a legal document that, you know, what does a prenup say? A prenup doesn't uh, say that if the marriage doesn't work out that so-and-so must give a divorce to this woman, because then you have the other half of the community saying that it's not a kosher uh, get, it's not a kosher divorce, because the man has to give a divorce willingly if he wants a divorce. If he's forced to in any way, uh, if he's forced to in any way, then it's not a kosher get, and then she's not allowed to remarry, and so on and so forth. So that is the uh, the gray, the shades of gray in that um in in that area. So what is a prenup, really? A prenup says, as far as my limited uh, knowledge of it, prenup says, yeah. not that he has to give a divorce, a prenup says that there's not going to be any obstacle created by either party that prevents the other side from remarrying. Understand? This is, you have to be a shtickle time and you have to be a good attorney. 
to be able to have created that kind of situation. So you cannot create. Is that is that a prenup or is that is that like halachic prenup? That is I um, I don't know the difference. To tell you the truth. Uh-huh. Well, it says here, you know what what is what is a prenup? Prenuptial agreement um, is a contract between two people that's created before they get married. It's typically a list each person's assets, debts, and outlines how they'll handle should a couple get divorced later on. Okay, so ultimately, what a prenup is is you play the worst case scenario. Going into the marriage, you say, if we were to get divorced, this is what we would do. And before you get married, you split the assets, you split you split everything. Um, you know, whether it's it's cash and, edu- uh, you know, investments, real estate, anything that comes uh, that, that comes up. So so my argument was like, that's a very, very, I don't know, uh, I would say erroneous way to start a marriage. You're, you're starting a marriage saying, well, if we do get divorced, then we're going to split this. Isn't that just not a that's not a good way to start? Well, but it's an easier, listen, you buy life insurance. Because uh, everybody dies. Not everyone gets divorced. No. Everybody dies. You get life insurance because 100% of the yeah. people in the world die. Yeah, but not. But most 22-year-olds don't, you know. So why does a guy have to think about life insurance until he's, let's say, at least, I don't know. No, because, well, well again, the answer for that is because you're not going to get a great policy when you're 50. If you get one when you're young and healthy... You buy a nice, you know, good policy then, and you're 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 taken care of. And and I'm asking the same question as you. At the age of 22, and let's say your wife is 21 or 20. I mean, why do you have to concern yourself with 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 those things that statistically are unlikely to happen? Why are you preparing for such a thing? You you know what? You prepare for, you prepare for something by car insurance. I mean, you're getting into a car accident. No, but I think life insurance. I think I think. I think divorce is a is a man-made problem and and death is something that is divine and comes from above. It's God-made. Yeah, yeah go on. Talking about two different, we're talking about two different things. So, you know, you don't have to be Jewish to have a prenuptial agreement. No, I know. I know that. Listen, had Jeff Bezos had a prenuptial agreement, he probably wouldn't have given $50 billion to his ex-wife. Um, Listen, uh, Donald Trump got divorced from his second wife because time was running out. After 10 years of marriage, they were going to uh, have to give her tens of millions of dollars if they stayed married 10 years or more. So he divorced her right before the 10-year uh, deadline. And, of course, he had to pay because of his pre Because of his prenup? Yeah. See, prenup. but that's so the prenup. Such... Then there's a halakhic prenup, which is what I thought you were asking about. Okay, so now let's talk about the halakhic prenup. Now, where does the uh, halakhic prenup differ from a regular prenup? Do you know? Well, I believe a regular prenup is just a matter of the central uh, focus of a of a prenup is a division of the assets, how it's going to be divided up, who's going to keep the house. Okay, so here uh, the prenup the prenup dot org, which is uh, it's it's a Jewish it's the ba- base it's the based in of America. What does the prenup say? Traditionally, rabbinical courts have been charged with the responsibility of overseeing the process of Jewish divorce and ensuring that a get is not improperly withheld. However, in modern society, based in frequently lack the authority to do so. The prenup is a document entered into, a, in, entered into by a man and woman prior to the marriage. It provides that in the unfortunate event of divorce, the based in will have the proper authority to ensure that the get is not used as a bargaining chip. The prenup essentially contains two provisions. One, each spouse agrees to appear before a panel of Jewish uh, Jewish law judges, which is Dayanim, 
arranged by the basin of America. If the other spouse demands it and, ab and, and to abide by the decision of the basin with respect to the get. Okay, so you're basically agreeing that basin is the arbitrator. Number two, if the couple separates the Jewish law obligation of the husband to support his wife is formalized so that he is obligated to pay $150 per day indexed to inflation from the date he that he receives notice from her of her intention to collect that sum until the date a Jewish divorce is obtained. This support obligation ends if the wife fails to appear at a basin of America or abide by a decision of the basin of America. So it seems that the difference between a, a, a prenup and a halachic prenup is the halachic prenup is just focused on making sure that someone isn't going to be using the get as a bargaining chip. Yeah, they're not going to leave their wife uh, as an aguna, which means that okay, so so, so that so that's okay, so that's different. Okay, now I hear that. that it's all it's all related because the whole uh, uh, the whole idea is, um, according to according to the Gemara, for example, we're learning now Masech to get example. I mean, yeah. that's the end. But the whole the whole idea is a woman needs a divorce in order to remarry. Yeah. In the times of Gemara, a man can have multiple wives. A man does not necessarily need a divorce in order to remarry. Okay, so all the chips, so to speak, are on his side. Today you have civil law, which is different. You know, you can have multiple wives. It's against civil law and so on and so forth. But uh, halachically, um, uh, a man does not have that kind of um, a restriction and, and limitation put on him times of the Gemara from, uh, you know, 2,000, 1,500 uh, years ago or 2,000 uh, years ago. So today, dealing with today's modern modern world circumstances, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, of course, usher for a, uh, a man to, um, to remarry unless he has a, a civil divorce uh, as well. Um, it's, a, it's a misdemeanor, actually. It's a criminal offense. Yeah. And a lot of rabbis won't perform a wedding for a man that he, he has to produce a get, he has to or proof of a get. And when a man gives a get, he gets a receipt from the bezdin. The woman keeps the get, but uh, the halachic uh, prenup, uh, the 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 sensitive issue there is that a man is not a kosher, it's not a kosher get if the man is forced to do it. Okay, I don't want to get into the. I don't want to get into the, like the the forcing the get thing. I, I just want to discuss the the prenup side because, to me, a prenup in society about you know the money stuff like hey listen I have a lot of money and I'm getting married to you I want to make sure that I'm I uh, I'm able to protect my assets. I think that's awful. I think that's not a way to get into marriage. Halachic prenup, however, basically just ensuring that both sides are going to be menshlach and that no one's going to hold the get over each of their anyone's head here. So, so my question is like, how come a how come a halachic prenup is not more, um, more widely used? Because there's a, the the machlekes is, the disagreement is uh, usually between the uh, more right wing yeshivish side and the more modern side. The modern orthodox world is a standard thing, a prenuptial agreement, and and a lot of rabbis won't even perform a marriage unless the prenuptial agreement is signed. But on the other side, I believe, um, I believe that the other side they feel this is a, this is a element of coercion, which means that jeopardizes the cashress of the get. He's being how? He doesn't. He oh, because because he signed the he doesn't want to give. He, he signed the if he signs the prenup, it means he has to give the get under a circumstance other than being a hundred percent willing. Now, if he's ninety nine percent willing to give the get, that's not enough. He has to do it. They feel that he has to give, be a hundred percent 
want to give again. And to answer your other question, um, why cannot be done uh, amicably and, you know, over lunch with a nice uh, whipped cream dish with chocolate and vanilla ice cream? Because usually if there's a divorce taking place, there's some bad feelings involved. Well, I, 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 that, that's not my question, but here, I'm, look, I'm, on, I'm on this website, right, uh, theprenup.org, and it has approba approbations from Rabbi Avadi Yosef, Zechar Tzadah Levracha, they have from Rabbi Yitzhak Leibis, they have from uh, Usher Weiss. Uh, like, they have, they have haskamas from well-known Rabbanim. So what you're telling me, I don't, I don't, it, you're, what you're telling me is like the more to the right, so, so, I mean, every Sephardi, is, is every Sephardi signing this halakhic prenup because Rabbi Vadi Yosef is on it? I mean, there is, there is, a, there was a way to do it. And like I said in the very beginning, the objective is it creates like a, it goes like through the back door. The idea is not that you have to give a divorce. If the woman wants a divorce or the man wants a divorce, she has to accept it or he has to give it. The language is done in legalese in such a way to say that no obstacle can be created that um, it, um, makes it impossible for her to remarry. Okay, it doesn't say that you have to give a divorce. Said so you would not create an obstacle, and if you, it basically says that. that you will listen to Besdin, that that you are assigning Besdin as the arbitrator, and that you listen to them. You, it says you're not going to create any obstacle to the woman, to your wife or your ex-wife, you're not going to create an obstacle to her remarrying. And if you refuse to give it yeah. yet, you are creating an obstacle to her remarrying. Therein lies the, the fundamental issue to the whole thing. It, it says here also that uh, a prenup is an opportunity for a couple on the eve of their wedding to demonstrate their respect for each other. Um, but, but like, do you agree with me that, uh, not, t not talking about the halakha prenup for a second, but a prenup, in general, for for someone who who comes into a marriage with a lot of money, they're just trying to protect their assets. Uh, that's just like, like don't get married. Like don't get married. It's not only about money. It's about it's about a prenup in general is not a prenup in general. How is a prenup? No, I'm talking about you're talking about a halachic. No, I'm I'm telling you. I'm saying it's not, it's not only about I, money. No, I'm saying not the halachic prenup. I'm saying the reg a, a regular prenup, a prenuptial agreement in the world, not Jewish, not Jewish. I, I believe I have very limited, Baruch Hashem, I have very limited uh, experience with this type of thing. So, I, But I believe it is basically uh, a regular prenup. It's basically uh, understanding uh, so there's no uh, difficulties down the road if there's a divorce on how assets are going to be divided. Uh, maybe deal Right, so I'm maybe saying... Deals with custody issues too, maybe. But, but how can I mean you can't deal how can you deal with custody issues before you even have children? But what I'm saying is that to get into marriage, like for a guy to get into a marriage and sign a prenup before to protect your assets, it's like I don't really trust you and I'm gonna just cover myself and sign this agreement. And I think that it makes the marriage very transactional and, and I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that. I hear the halachic prenup. I he I understand, especially nowadays with the aguna issue being so rampant. Um, but also, the halachic prenup is also a sign of like can't trust. You know, can't trust that someone's going to act like a man. That's not that's not the proper way to look at it. It's about um, it's like it's like taking out insurance, like car insurance. You know, uh, you can pay the car. The car insurance is required by law. Okay, why? In case you get into an accident, you should be covered. The same exact thing here. Okay, 
most marriages gonna go smoothly, gonna go well, they're gonna have families, they're gonna have a lot of nachas, everything will be nice and good. But in the, I don't know what it is, the 5, 10, 20% of marriages that uh, get uh, derailed, they're going to be covered. Look at all these people out here watching all these cars go by. All safe drivers, never had a moving violation. They're driving many, many years. They all have to have insurance. And you can't say they have to have insurance because that's the law. That's a very narrow way of looking at it. They have to have insurance in case they get into an accident and hurt somebody where they could afford to pay for the damage that they inflicted. That they did. Yeah. Anyway, now that you mentioned that, we could talk about the fact that today is Tubav. Yes, like, today is Tubav. Uh, oh, the day of Shaduchim. Yeah, oh, today's a day of it's, uh, it, it. It really shows that uh, uh, the, the 15th of Av, which is today, is uh, what they call a myster- it's a mysterious day. Okay. Yeah, first of all, you don't say Tachlan today in Shul, which is... Uh, they say it's the two, ha- two happiest days of the year, Yom Kippur and Tubav. Yeah, they say, you know, which one is greater than Yom Kippur or Tubav? Tomorrow says that Tubav, uh, a greater day than um, than uh, than Yom Kippur uh, itself, okay. Uh, and what the, what what happened on Tubav? Believe it or not, for some reason this couldn't fly today. I'm reading from uh, uh, a website which says that Tomorrow says that many years ago the daughters of Jerusalem go dance in the vineyards on the fifteenth of uh, <laughs> whoever did not have a wife. which website? No, which website is this? Uh, Chabad.org. Whoever okay. did not have a wife would go there to find himself a bride. And the Talmud considers this the greatest festival of the year, with Yom Kippur a close second. So, so as time changes, like we're probably not going to fly to Eretz Yisrael Al right on wings of an eagle. It's it's adapted differently as time goes on. So, so, uh, so I think only has to be in Jerusalem like that. Can't be in the in the five towns or <laughs> Gemara and Tainus bring six reasons. For the importance of the day, all the common theme that this is something which went wrong was corrected. Rabbi Sadako Coin adds another reason: the basic midrash will be built on Tisha B'av, followed by a seven-day celebration that will culminate on the seventh day, Tuba of, meaning on Tuba we celebrate the ultimate tikkun, the building of the basic midrash. Very interesting. Well, you know, very interesting. God willing, uh, it, it, once upon a time it was, and God willing, it will be again a great day. Uh, yep. And uh, I think we're too. Um, to overcome with, uh, especially in the aftermath of the three weeks and the nine days, and Tishabub was less than a week ago, we're still, I think, a little bit uh, shell-shocked and healing uh, yeah. from it. And uh, we need to, uh, you know, uh, need to loosen up and uh, be able to uh, get a, a better recognition of uh, what the, uh, you know, the purpose, uh, what the destiny of, uh, of the Jewish people is, uh, is really about. Yeah. I also want to mention that today is, or actually yesterday, I think, was the yard site of Avi Noam Grossman. You remember Avi Noam Grossman? Um, he lived, yes. I believe, in the five towns. He was an alumnus of Yeshiva Darchei Torah. He passed away at the young age of, of 19. Um, he was he was an incredible, incredible young man. He passed away. He was, I think, on a on seed. He was on a, a mission to teach Torah um, in Australia. And yeah. How many years ago? How many years ago was that? Almost twenty years, yeah. I went to, I think it's it's around twenty years, and uh, his his neshama Shev Aliyah, neshama of Avi Noam, Shev Um He was uh, he was you know he grew up in Cedars, Rockaway, something like that, Passaic, and then you know he he went to Australia to teach. And um, sometimes we forget, but he was. I, I remember I remember I was in camp when he had passed away, and a lot of staff members were heartbroken when that happened. 
but today should be a schuss for his for his neshama. Neshama. Um, did virtue is a fact that we mentioned in here. Did you see what happened in Memphis? Jewish school in oh, Memphis. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. that What's up so, with that? They caught a guy who wanted to get into the school with a gun, right? But turns out the kid, yeah, uh, the man went to the school. Yeah, uh, a man tried to enter Margolin. The man try, who tried to enter Margolin Hebrew Academy with a gun was Joel Bauman, uh, a friend of the family who was a former classmate. Told the Jewish, uh, told, told JTA, confirming a report by a local Memphis TV station that the sighted a family and friends identifying Bowman. Bowman is hospitalized in critical condition. The family told JTA that Bowman, 33 years old, is a former student of the Hebrew Academy in Memphis. Um, it's the main Orthodox school located on the city's east side. On Monday, uh, Representative Steve Cohen, a Jewish Democrat who represents Memphis in Congress, also said the gunman had attended the school. According to his Facebook page, Bowman is the son of Dr. Anthony Bowman, a cardiologist trained at the University of uh, man, Mexico. I can't even mention that name. I don't even know what it says. Um, I don't know. Yeah. How, wow. How do you do that? Yeah. Good for you. It's a very famous uh, medical school in Guadalajara. A lot of kids, a lot of kids from here go there. Oh, they can't. Yeah. Well, you know, in the United States. There's a quote here, uh, genuinely to the core, I don't think he would ever intentionally hurt someone, says Brittany Eshelman Warch. Well, Brittany, he walked into a school with a gun. She's saying that he struggled with mental health for a number of years. There, um, there you go. There you go. There you go. It's the, you know, we have a mental health issue in this country. We know this. We know this for a very long time. You know what's going on in Manhattan now at the Roosevelt Hotel? There's no more room for the immigrants from... From Venezuela and from Africa, and they're, they're living on the streets in the midtown Manhattan. Yeah, Fiftieth Street, Lexington Avenue. They're sleeping, uh, you know, on the side. The, this the hotel. it's a it's a very it's a very big issue, and it's not even. I mean, like this is not like a Jewish world issue, although it does exist in the Jewish world. But you know, there there's an actor. His name was Angus Cloud. Um, he died at the age of twenty five. He he killed himself, um, yeah. and. You know, his father had passed away last week from an illness, and then, and then he, and then he, and they announced that he passed away, and, and you know, he also struggled with depression and mental health. And I think it's like, it's so important uh, to bring awareness to this topic that people could get help. There is help out there, um, and well, certainly, uh, yeah, certainly in the Jewish community, there's many, many social service organizations that exist to uh, reach out uh, for people to reach out to and and seek the the help that they need. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, you know, on, on the on the immigration count, it's just out of control. Forget Joe Biden, twenty twenty campaign said, uh, "Come, come, the border, come across the border, come, everybody's welcome." And Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, said, uh, um, um, "New York is a sanctuary city," and, and now uh, he says, "Don't come anymore," but the guests stop coming. Yeah, you know what they're doing? They're sending them upstate New York now, sending them to the camps. Where's the homework? <laughs> you told me the homework burnt down. Um, I know. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of empty hotels, you know, and I've got to tell you, you have, I, I'm not saying they should go into bungalow colonies, but you have bungalows because they're empty from September till June. <laughs> Maybe they can rent them out to. Um... So let me hear, to wrap up this, to wrap up this episode, let me hear your Lamaskana. Do you think people should be signing halachic prenups? Um, you think Rabbanim should make it like mandatory, almost like a ksuba? Should it be part of the ksuba, halakhic prenup? Well, I could tell. I could. One thing is that you're not going to get uh, all the Rabbanim to agree about this or anything else. 
Uh, but don't politician me. I asked you a question. Are you, what do you think? Oh, I think it's a, I think it's a good positive thing that prevents potential trouble down the road. And ideally, it's never used, and that's the way it should be. And what damage does it do if it's never used? It's like any type of insurance policy, you know. If you never get, I, but I, but I think that it kind no, but I think that it kind of. I think that m maybe people are not going to be all in in their marriage if they have a, if they have other sight on the door and they and they have like a dis it's marriage isn't disposable. You don't listen. You have to have a, a more mature approach uh, to the realities of life, and uh, and those are the facts of the matter. You never know what's going to happen, and you got to be prepared for all eventualities to the best of your ability. That's uh, I think the best position to be in. What do you want to be? Caught off guard for if you don't have to be caught off guard, and then be all kinds of uh, trouble that distract you, don't allow you to live properly, don't allow you to function in your job or your business properly. What do you need those for? You want you want you want all the eyes to be dotted, all the teeth to be crossed. I hear you. Well, listen, you, the listener, can chime in on this conversation by heading to speakpipe.com/slash/meaningfulminute. That's speakpipe.com/slash/meaningfulminute. What do you think about halakhic prenup? Should people be signing it? Did you sign it? Did it make any uh, negative effect on your marriage? We'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and head to speakpipe.com forward slash meaningful minute, and we will play your, your responses on tomorrow's episode. Thank you so much for tuning into the Daily Thread, and we cannot wait to bring another episode to you. Adios, everybody.